Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We are one week in to no sports. It's kind of amazing because it's only been a week, but it feels like months and months have gone by. MLB has been shut down, NBA, NHL, all the soccer leagues, March Madness, any sports league you could think of, the high school, it is shut down, and we don't know when it's coming back, if it's coming back, some of this stuff. Uh, Right now, we are just waiting to see what happens. We're going to give you all we can, so stick with us. We're going to do the best we can to keep you entertained and Hopefully take your mind off what's going on in the world right now because it's something like we've never seen and it just seems like the light at the end of the tunnel is very faint or it's not there right now. But I just advise all the listeners, chin up, stay strong. We will get through this. So just hang in there, folks. We're all here for each other. Adam, how you doing? Good. About as good as anybody can be right now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what the weather is like by you, but here in Chicago, it's dreary and rainy, and oh, it's like, it's, well... it's awful here. It's it's yeah. super windy here, snowing really hard right now. It, it's It's been a nasty day. Yeah, I mean, a few days ago, at least in Chicago, it was really sunny out. So, you know, I'm working from home now because of the circumstances. Uh, so I was able to go out and go for a nice little walk around the neighborhood, just to kind of get out of the house because I get really bad cabin fever. And let's face it, there's nowhere really to go right now. But now you can't even leave the house because the weather is so bad by us and probably by you too. Yeah, it's it's disgusting right now. You you don't want to be outside. No, but I'm going crazy inside too. But we just have to make do with what we have, like you said. Um, Can you believe it's been a week since sports was basically shut off it it, to me it just feels like so much longer it it really does and i i'm still just really bummed out about march madness i mean as i've told you before i'm not the world's biggest basketball fan i'm not a huge fan of the nba love march madness though i i love joining in on all the bracket stuff and just watching games and rooting for upsets it's really sad that that's not going to happen this year. First time since 1939, no NCAA tournament. Bummed out about the College World Series, too. This this whole sure. thing is really depressing. Yeah, you know, um, my alma mater, Concordia, Chicago, the past few years now, they've had one of the best uh, D3 baseball programs. Uh, they've been in the NCAA D3 World Series a couple of years, so they always have a really good program, and, you know, it, it kind of stinks that we won't really get to see that this year. You know, Concordia Sports has had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of downs in some areas, but baseball has always been such a good program. And believe it or not, back in 2011, we actually had an alum drafted by the Baltimore Orioles organization. He was a catcher. No, we didn't get close to the big leagues, but to say, hey, we're a D3 school and we had a player drafted by a major league franchise, that's pretty cool to say. So, kind of stinks that they're not going to play all these college kids that were looking forward to it. Um, it's yeah. different when you're a college kid and not a professional because professional there's always next year, but with college, that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I feel really bad for the seniors. Yeah. Yeah. Though it's my understanding for basketball, the seniors are getting another year of eligibility. I believe that's good. 
That I'm happy about that. Uh, I feel bad for high school seniors though too. I mean, yeah, for, for them, it's, it just there. comes to an abrupt end. I mean, I, I remember when I was in high school, uh, you know, towards the very, very end, you you finally start to take a moment to reflect on things, and it starts to kind of set in that it's over. Uh, your you know your high school sports career is done, and you're not gonna you're not gonna be hanging out with the guys the same way anymore. But it, I feel really bad for these seniors that they didn't really they didn't get to that point where it all started to sink in. It just came to an abrupt end, and that was it. I mean, I they can't didn't imagine. get to enjoy the ride fully. That's right. what really stinks. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, we we'd be getting close to time for like districts and state tournaments, that kind of stuff, and that's all out the window now. It's 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 pretty sad. Yeah, and it's not just you know one sport like basketball. It's a bunch of sports. I mean, like oh yeah, everything track, golf, all that yep. stuff, baseball. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough to see for the kids, and you know I can really relate to that. You know, I I didn't really play many sports. I was always more of a fan and play with friends type of guy. I just wasn't very athletic, and yeah. that's just kind of how it was. But you know, when I went to Concordia, Chicago as D3, you know, I remember all those years watching the final football game of the season, no matter how good or bad they were. And we had a heartbreaking loss in the playoffs. My freshman year, we hosted a playoff game and we battled all the way back uh, to get within one. All we needed was an extra point to tie it. Our coach, I mean, he had balls. He decided to go for two to go for the win and they didn't convert it. And then it was just over. Because it was with like seconds left in the game. Um, and I just remember seeing the devastation on the faces of the seniors because, you know, those D3 athletes work so hard to do what they do. But when senior year comes, that's it. You know, their their career, yeah. their career is pretty much coming to an end right yeah. there. You know, you might coach somewhere, you might uh, play in like either pickup leagues or, you know, maybe smaller leagues that are out there. But, you know, with like big time schools that are like D1 and it's like, well, I could get drafted by the NFL. Mm-hmm. You don't really see that in D3, in, but they put the heart and the passion into it so much. So every time that last game comes around and you see the emotion from the seniors as they they're in their last hurrah of their playing career. It can get to you even though you're not on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even, even for all the non-athletes out there too, and people in other organizations or, or people, you know, just, just seniors in general, it's, I imagine it's really difficult to not get the proper ending to what should be a, a really big chapter of your life. And it's, it's just going to be much different from what most other people's uh, experience was. And, yeah, I, I wish everyone the best. Uh, I, I think this will pass and subside. And and I, I, my inclination is that we've seen the worst of it. I think when rapid tests get out, we, we probably will see a spike naturally just because people who are asymptomatic will find that they, they have it. But it seems, you know, from the data we've seen recently, it seems like we've, we, we're on the, the better end of the curb. Like maybe the, the peak has passed maybe. Uh, so I guess there's fingers crossed. Yeah, I think that once we get things figured out, we could start to trend upward. And, you know, for those people like seniors, wherever level high school, college, you know, if they miss out on one thing, 
then, you know, I'm sure down the road they'll get to experience very special things as time goes on. Uh, I think society will try their best to make it up to those people because, you know, I think overall we are a good society and we will, you know, kind of be able to help them in any way, give them that experience, even if it's just a little different, uh, whether it's a sport or not. But I think we as society will figure out a way to give those types of people uh, what they truly deserved and what they earned for. I think the biggest question for me is just in general sports life business whatever it's how long is it going to take to get back to normal because when you shut things off the way you do it's not like you just turn the switch back on and everything's back to normal it's not that simple well it's just I feel really bad for a lot of the businesses a lot of different kind of businesses are going to have a really tough time Right now, I mean, grocery stores are going to thrive, and you know, the health profession is is going to thrive, uh, albeit at risk. Uh, but other other businesses are going to have a really tough time not being able to be open for an extended period of time. So, you know, if you can do your part from home, if you you know buy buy merch, buy stuff online, do what you got to do. I mean, I know. It, I think that if you're if you're buying some stuff online, I think necessities probably, from what I've heard, are going to be prioritized, and anything else as is they may, should be delayed. Yeah, but it, it's gonna this is gonna be a tough period for a lot of businesses. Oh yeah, I mean all over the world globally, and it's it's going to be one of those things where you're going to remember every step of this ride, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, you're going to remember exactly how it progressed, where you were, when, and what you saw throughout the whole way. This is not something that we're going to forget. I mean, our kids are going to be reading about this in textbooks. They're going to be watching documentaries about it. They're going to be watch. Heck, there could be movies made about this thing in the future. It's, it's going to be something that we're going to remember forever. It is, yeah. It's this is unlike anything most people alive have experienced before. It's, I mean, Spanish is, flu was over a hundred years ago, so yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty well into the past. It, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody with the recollection of that. Yeah, maybe I don't with, think maybe you will. maybe family, but but I guess the only thing I would say to people is try not to be too selfish. I mean, just remember that you know. If you're trying, if you go to a grocery store or a supermarket and you try to buy the entire inventory's worth of toilet paper or food, you know that's just that that much necessities that you're depriving somebody else. So just try to keep in mind that that other people need these things too. Yeah, exactly. You know, ration things. <coughs> excuse me. Ration things for yourself in a smart way. You know, don't just buy in bulk to buy in bulk. Do an inventory of your yeah. house. You well, know, and, and really plan it out. Yeah, and I mean, I know people who are starting to buy in bulk because they're afraid that too many people are going to buy in bulk and there'll be nothing left. But I, I, we're not at this. We're not at the point yet where where you need to just be savagely every man for himself kind of mindset. You can adequately prepare yourself for this without just totally wiping places out of everything they own the stores are restocking there will be some for you maybe not right away but if you go back they'll be there 
you know, what, what's really nice about um, the area here is um, really all over Chicago, there are marts everywhere, whether it's Jewel or Mariano's or Pete's Market or Walgreens, CVS, whatever, 7-Eleven even. There are places with resources and they do restock them. We may not see the shelves full, but you got to remember that what's in stock versus what's on the shelves, it's it's different. So I guess just use your better judgment. Take a moment and think and just remember that we're all in the same boat here. You know, it's yeah. it and and think about those who have it tougher, whether they're elderly sick mm-hmm. or just have compromised immune systems think about that especially yeah. those who say well i don't care i'm gonna go out in public and try to you know live my life yada yada you know look at me you, you know it, you can skip a trip you can skip a trip to wherever in the world or a beach for spring break you can skip that right now i mean what what is more important you know, celebrating spring break right now or making sure we as a society are healthy and back to normal. Yeah. It just, it's, it's simple just, logic. Just try, try to be considerate of others. Right. Yeah, spring break is going to be interesting. I'm sure that's a big reason why the majority of colleges have closed down and switched to online classes because I, yeah, I'd be really worried about people going out of the country for spring break and then bringing that back with them. Or bringing it to them. You know, it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think it's one of the big reasons. I mean, it's not the only reason, but it's a big reason. I mean, especially here in Illinois, there were a lot of people uh, still partying for St. Patrick's Day at a lot of the bars. Yeah. And uh, Governor Pritzker said, you know, we got to stop this because it could be really risky to spread the coronavirus so that's why he shut down all the bars, the restaurants uh, for, I think, the next few weeks. So, you know, that that was a move that the Illinois government moved swiftly and quickly on when they noticed that yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, you know, the, the, the big problem right now, just for the time being, hopefully this changes very soon, is that there's probably a lot of people who have it that don't realize it. Sure. Yeah. That's the scary thing. It's it's scary for you and it's scary for other people because you could get sick and it might suck for you for a little while. But if you're around other people that can't handle diseases like you can, yeah. then you really start to worry. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the majority of majority of people, the vast majority of people, based on statistics we've seen, uh, will be fine if you have it. It'll you know, it will subside. It'll be pretty much like if you had the flu or a cold. That'll be the case for the majority of people. What you don't want to do is give it to somebody who has a really weak immune system. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, the only that's the really scary part of this is that you you don't want to you don't want to inadvertently transfer it to somebody who would actually be at serious risk if they got it. Right. And sometimes you don't know who has a healthy immune system or not. There could be a young perfectly healthy looking person but they might have a condition you don't know. Nobody yeah. really knows yeah. what everyone's immune system is like. Yeah, just just be careful, be considerate. Yeah. All right. Baseball. Baseball, baseball, baseball. What baseball? The season was 
Yeah, there ain't much of it. There ain't any of it. Are it's you starting? Kind of... Are you starting to worry that that this delay to the start of the season might be extended into something different? Like that there might just not be baseball this year, or we might only see like half a season. Are you starting to worry about something like that happening? I am. I, I honestly think that we may be entering the possibility of like an 85 90 game season and i mean some baseball is better than none but you saw a lot of the news breaks from the reporters some of the inside people talking to like the gms or hearing rumblings from the gms saying that like they see june or late may as optimistic boy i I can't even imagine a summer without baseball too. I just the, the thought of that. I mean, I'm I'm constantly if I'm not watching games, I'm checking all the box scores. Yep. I can't imagine a summer without that. It's it would feel so empty. And look, you can watch highlights only to a certain point. It's not the same. Yeah. It's, it's not, not the same. same. No. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I love watching highlights of all the playoff runs and big games the Cubs have had, but after a while, it's like, all right, I want to see something new. But, you know, it, we are probably going to be without that for a while. I'm just, I, I, the way things are going, and I have no inside information whatsoever, I just feel like the way things are going, just with sports and with just society, the way, you know, we're taking cautions with this, which we should be doing, I feel like May is not going to happen. I think if it does happen, it's going to be later. Because think about it. You we, you got to make sure everything's back to normal and safe first. But they didn't even finish spring training yet. And you yeah. really think these guys are going to be in tip-top shape to just start the season right off the bat? No. I mean, everybody will be in the same boat. But, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they... You know, if this is just the end of spring training or if they or if they let, you know, they extend spring training into the summer and then get the season started. I don't, I don't know. It's 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 definitely going to be really weird. No matter what ends up happening, the beginning of the regular season is going to have a weird feel to it, I think. So here's kind of my idea of if they have a shortened season, how it would play out. Tell me if you like the idea, don't like the idea, what your thoughts are. All right. So let's say you start early June, and this is just the date I'm throwing out there. Okay. You give the team a week of workouts, and then a week of like spring training type games. They could be like split squad games, they could be like scrimmage games, or you just say, all right, Grapefruit League, Cactus League, you play few games just to get back into the rhythm. Managers manage, however. They make their final roster, and then you have a shortened season. Now, with a shortened season, you probably are going to have to redo the schedule. Yeah. Keep the games in league, no interleague play, just American League plays American League, National League plays National League, kind of like the 2013 NHL lockout. Everything was in conference. Mm -hmm. And then you play to the end of September. You start the playoffs right away in October. And then you have your playoffs. And it, I think you're going to have to prorate incentives and contracts. And, you know, people wonder, well, years of control and whatnot. I think you're just going to have to say, look, if we played a season, even if it was shorter, it's that's a season. 
So that's a year of control that you used. I think that's how you have to go buy it. So yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I think that they're, they're going to be, you know, there's not going to be a, a ton of options. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of aspects of this, they're just going to have their hands tied and it's not going to be the ideal situation. But I, I think on all accounts, I tend to agree with you that that would be uh, a fairly optimal way to handle this, given the circumstances. Um, I mean, and, and like you said, it, every player is going to be in the same boat. Uh, so it's not like any one person is going to feel like they're getting singled out as far as, you know, their service time, contract stuff, all that. And everybody's going to be in the same boat. Uh, whether or not yeah, they come to... Yeah, fairly. Yeah, they, I, think that, I think that the players and the league may end up having to come to some sort of compromise, even if it's not uh, significant. Uh, I, I, I could see some sort of compromise between the two sides, uh, whether whether that's you know an an issue of service time or salary, but I think that there'll there'll be some wiggle room one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, I know it's easier said than done to just say prorate everything and have it count as a season. You know, I know it's it's easier said than done. I just feel like if that's not agreed upon, then there's just going to be no baseball this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I as far as that stuff goes, I I I would be you know, more worried about the minor leagues than, than the major yeah. leaguers. Oh, yeah. Because that's, you know, that's where you're getting in, into, you know, really into livelihood discussions is with the minor leaguers and, and their service time. That is going to be tough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think they deserve to be paid. Obviously, they deserve to make a livable wage. Uh, I think things really have to be adjusted there for the minor leagues. Uh, yeah, that is where it's going to get very tricky. I mean, you know, when you think about prorating incentives for like big contracts like, you know, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or whatever, you know, that might be easier to deal with because they're making a crap ton of money regardless. These minor leaguers, you know, they aren't making very good wages. And, you know, frankly, they deserve yeah. to get better wages. So that's, that's going to be very tough. That's that's exactly the thing is like I'm I'm not at all not even the least bit concerned about guys like Manny Machado who, you know, are, they're going to have hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. Uh, the, the people I'm more concerned about are, you know, the minor leaguers who are, are just hanging on by a thread or they're just, they're so close to making a major league roster. And, mm-hmm. and this would be the first chance maybe. And for some of these guys, it would be the first chance in their life to make really good money. Those are the guys I'm concerned about, not so much the superstars who are, you know, they're already set for life. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. And I think MLB just has to buckle down and give them what they deserve because, you know, I mean, the, the minor leagues, you, you got to treat them with a lot of respect. You got to treat them fairly. You got to treat them well. You can't just treat them like dirt. You, you got to well, give them, you know, what they need. It's a... It's a complex situation, I think. It, it is. Uh, it's just the pressure of a minor leaguer is so great because the disparity between minor league and major league pay, it's such a huge gap. That Massive. The, that the, the pressure that that puts on you to perform well would just – it's something that I could not comprehend myself because you, you go from, from barely making – 
uh, minimum wage for a year's worth of work to all of a sudden you're making half a million dollars. I mean, that's that's unfathomable jump for most people. And, uh, you know, so those those are the guys that this is uh, things are getting kind of cloudy, the uncertain future. I would I would be worried about those guys. Yeah. You know, it's crazy to think about a minor leaguer is blood, sweat and tears battling for his life to try to advance, making very little money. While Manny Machado could hit 170 over a season, he'd still get paid no matter what. I think my opinion is that there. I think there's too many minor league teams. I I, I really do. I think that there's too many minor league organizations uh, with each team. I think if you cut down on those, you'd be able to pay guys more money. Uh, I mean, the problem you face is that minor league teams, for the most part don't make any money at all and are almost fully funded by the major league team. Uh, and that's that's where things start to get complicated. But my personal opinion is that they could cut down on some of the minor league teams. I think, th- I think there's too many levels. So if you were thinking out loud, and we're just thinking out loud here, um, obviously the one problem would be, well, where do some of those other minor leaguers go? If you, if you consolidated, it would be tough immediately because you would have a ton of guys who would just be without baseball. Then they would be the, it would, their baseball careers would just be done. Maybe help fund another minor league. Like that's not really affiliated with major. So if, you know, guys are there, make more availability for guys who don't make it to the majors to still mm-hmm. play professional ball. Like you have a bunch of independent well, there leagues. There are, yeah. There, I mean, there are. hype those up, you know, really market those. Try to get people there, you know, try to expand on that a bit. Give, mm-hmm. give these guys who don't make it more of a chance to play. Well, that's, that's the thing is that there are a lot of semi-professional baseball leagues in America that are not affiliated with the MLB. And so if they cut down on their minor league system, they could just pay closer attention to the players in these leagues that aren't affiliated with major league baseball. So what you're saying is, is that there'd be more attention to these leagues if there were more players playing in it. Right. And and if there weren't as many minor league teams, then they probably wouldn't have a choice anyway, but to pay closer attention I mean, you got to get your talent from somewhere, but I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of semi-professional baseball teams not affiliated with the league. Yeah, I mean, here in Chicago, we have the Chicago Dogs, where Carlos Sembrano pitched last year, and you know what? I, I think some of those minor league ballparks are nicer than major league ballparks, frankly. Yeah, there's just something just, about a minor league park. The man, the life of a minor leaguer. I have a lot of respect for those guys because the uncertainty of your future. I mean, think about guys who sign with a team when they're like 16 or 17 years old. And then maybe they spend like seven or eight years in a minor league system, not ever knowing if they're actually going to be called up ever and make some decent money. That would be hard. It is hard. But, you know, like you said, I really respect the way they grind away. And you know what? I think they... They deserve they deserve better and hopefully they will get better as time goes on. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I just I really encourage more people to go to minor league games and really appreciate them. So I don't think we're going to have any sort of baseball for a while. There's just not a lot of talks 
regarding them starting up again. It's more, well, we're just kind of waiting in limbo and it could go on further and further and further. I wanted to bring up a fun topic tonight to at least talk about because I think it is a fun topic. The other night, I was rewatching some of the Cubs World Series run. And obviously, we all know one of the most famous things about that series was the fact that the Cubs had to come back from three games to one down. You look at all the games during that World Series. You look at all the wins the Cubs had. Game two, they won five to one. Game five, they won three to two. Game six, nine to three. Game seven, eight to seven. You know... Game two wasn't a high scoring game per se, but you know, you win by four runs, five to one. You know, that's a pretty solid win right there. You win in very handy fashion, game six, nine to three, and then you have the nail biter game seven, but that was high scoring. That was that was eight to seven. You know, game five of the World Series was kind of that classic duel of the pitchers type game. Uh, that we also saw in Game 3, but, you know, Cleveland won that game. That Game 5, I just thought, was very unique. And you can pinpoint so many spots in that game where everything started to swing towards the Cubs' favor and everything just trended upward in that series. Everything happened for the Cubs base offensively in one inning. But that one inning is really all it took to turn that game around. So I just kind of wanted to break down and kind of talk about this game five, just because I thought it was kind of a unique game. Yeah, I mean, I I remember watching this series that I, I anytime things were not going the Cubs' way, I started getting really pessimistic and I, mm-hmm. I feared the worst. And when Jose Ramirez hit that home run in the second inning of game five, I just remember thinking to myself, oh my God, this is it. It's, this is it. It's over. But then, yeah, then they had that, that big fourth inning and that was all they needed. Uh, oh man, everything after that was just nail biter. Yeah. The Jose Ramirez home run. That's kind of where I wanted to start. The Cubs were coming off two games where they scored two total runs and they were down three to one. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure the way they were going, which wasn't really any direction at the time, the way Cleveland was going, which seemed like all cylinders. I mean, Cleveland, they really felt like a team of destiny when they went up. They did. It it just did to me. To me, it felt like, you know what? This is just their year. Well, and there, there was just, there's just something poetic about having two teams in the World Series and they're they're ranked number one and number two in longest drought. And it, it just just knowing that you know one team is gonna break their drought finally it just made it that much more intense. To think that we could have had an even better matchup in two thousand three. Uh yeah, don't bring that up. Cubs Red Sox both blow the pennant I have, up three I, with five outs to go. 
I have always wanted either a Cubs Red Sox or Cubs Yankees World Series. I've always wanted that. It would be so great for the game to have a World Series like that. The, the viewership for Cubs Yankees or Cubs Sox would be huge. Could you imagine what the executives at Fox were thinking when they thought they were on the brink of Cubs uh, Cubs Red Sox or Cubs Yankees? Oh man, yeah, it would have been Christmas Marlins, for them. Yankees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Marlins. Thanks oh, there a was a cartoon. There was a cartoon of a Red Sox fan and a Cubs fan crying. And then in the middle was a big Fox, big cat executive crying as well. Oh my God. (laughs) But, you know, back to the, back to the game, uh, back to game five of 2016. I'm looking at the win probability chart for that game on baseball reference. And, you know, everything happened in the bottom of the fourth for the Cubs you look at the Jose Ramirez home run that happened in the second. From then to the end of the third, when the Cubs went down again and didn't score again, when they were heading to the top of the fifth or top of the fourth, the chance for Cleveland to win that game was sixty-one percent going into that inning, then sixty-three percent. So its peak that day, after that inning was over, going to the top of the fourth was 63%, which it's, that's not astronomically high. That's just a little over 50%. But imagine what the winning percentage was for the Cubs in that series. They're down three games to one. Their percent chance to win was about 39% just that game. I mean, think about what the Cubs' chances were to win that series. If you were a casual baseball fan, not a fan of either the Cubs or the Indians, and you sat and said, at going into the top of the fourth of this game, the Cubs were going to win this series, would you believe them at all? Probably not. No, I don't think would anyone you? would. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. You remember Wrigley Field before everything happened. Those first few innings... The place was a was a morgue. Oh yeah, yeah, totally somber atmosphere. You know, I really thought that at the time, this was just what was going through my head before that inning. I thought, well, we got here, we're in the World Series, we can come back next year. This team is good enough; we can just come back next year. And boy, oh boy. Am I glad things worked out for the better in 2016? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I wouldn't have been on the same page as you. I, I would not have been of the belief that, oh, you know what? We're really good. We'll get them next year. I would have been so doom and gloom if we had lost that series. I, I would have like mentally checked out. I don't think I could have handled it. I, I would have been. I would have been sad, but okay, had they lost in five or even six. But if they would have lost the game seven after being up five to one and six to three in that game, I, I there's no way I'd get over that ever. Until they'd win a World Series, there's no way I'd get over that. No, that would be a permanent scar. Because I, I 
prematurely, obviously, I accepted the fate after Game 4. The way the Indians crushed the Cubs in Game 4, the final score, as you probably remember, was 7-2. to two. I, I kind of said, okay, you know, it's, it's Cleveland's year. Nothing's going right. At least we didn't get swept. At least we made it to the World Series. So I was prepared for Cleveland to raise the trophy at Wrigley Field. And then when they got to Game 6, I'm like, well, at least we put up a good fight. And then when we went to Game 7, when we won Game 6, I'm like, all right, it's it's all or nothing now. they got to win Game 7. And that... You got to put that game seven in in like the in the top ten of game sevens, wouldn't you think? I mean, that's that's got to go down as one of the greatest game sevens of all time. I mean, from a historical and final score standpoint, yeah, it you know it was a pretty sloppily played game, but that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things when you consider it's a close the back game. back and forth of it, though, is just right. is what you want from a game seven. In any, it was out in of any, Hollywood. It, yeah. And, and just you know, going back to the drought, too, having the two teams with the longest droughts, too, it, it's, it's, that's got to go down as one of the greatest game sevens of all time. It'll, it's definitely one of the most historic. There's no question about that. I mean, you've had some pretty blah game sevens. Like, could you imagine, remember when the Red Sox came back from 3-0 down to force Game 7 against the Yankees in 4 Mm-hmm. But that Game 7, people were expecting epicness yeah. like the year before. Yeah. It was a blowout. The Red yeah. Sox crushed the Yankees. But this... Yeah, huge oh, buzzkill. This, extra innings, 8-7, to and the road team dominated the series. I mean, remember... This game five was the one game the Cubs won at Wrigley Field in this World Series. Everything everything else that happened for them happened in Cleveland. This is the one time the home fans got to really celebrate during the World Series for the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Now, do you remember John Smoltz saying the Cubs have to get something going here and literally like a millisecond later, Chris Bryant hit it into the basket to tie the game? Yeah, yeah, that was perfect. That whole inning, it had a little bit of everything. You had, it, it, and it kind of summed up each player that season. So Chris Bryant hit the home run. He was the MVP. Anthony Rizzo was an all-star, not quite as good as Chris Bryant, but he hit a double off the wall. So almost as good as Chris Bryant, but not quite as good as Chris Bryant. Um, And then you had a couple of infield singles, one of which was a bunt single by Javi, which, you know, right there, El Mago pulling out the magic out of his hat. You had Hayward strike out, and as much as I love Hayward, that 2016 was rough, so it felt fitting. Um, And then David Ross... Hit, uh, drove in the game-winning run with a sack fly. Old man Ross doing more than you expected with the bat, even if it's not really flashy. So that whole inning kind of summed up the Cubs in season in one inning. I know that sounds really weird, but I'm just going to say that. I I would agree with you. And I'm glad, I'm glad that, here in 2020, I have 
pretty much only fond memories of that season because, man, it, it was really close to looking like it was going to be one of the most miserable sports experiences of my life. Yeah, yeah. If they, if they had lost that game seven, all the great that happened from start to end of that season would have been pretty much washed away. I, I mean, look, look at 2003. I know some people might have a different perspective, but this is just how I look at it. You had a summer where they didn't were not really expected to go anywhere. You had two amazing starting pitchers at the top of your rotation in Wooden Pryor, two young, electrifying guys. You won the division where literally everything aligned right. It was one of the funnest runs the Cubs had went on, but the way it ended... You know, you look back in 03, you know, sometimes you just can't get over how it ended and, you know, forget the fact that so much good and fun happened throughout that season. Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, 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 it was a phenomenal ending and a great game. But at the time, I remember just thinking how cruel it was that we had to go through that to get to that <laughs> to finally get the trophy. Look, I say many times whenever whenever people bring up Game 7, I said the, the memory of the final out is one of my favorite memories of my entire life. But that Game 7 itself was five hours of absolute torture and misery. I didn't have any fun watching that game. No. It was no, miserable. No, I, was, same. I was miserable. Same. Hard same. And you know what? This brings up another interesting topic. You remember the 2017 season? It got off to a really frustrating start, but think about that second half and think about that playoff run they made back to the NLCS. I think that stretch right there was the most I ever enjoyed watching the Cubs because they were coming off as the World Series champs. So you didn't have that pressure of ending the curse. Obviously, the expectations were at an all-time high, but I just felt like in 2017, I could enjoy the run truly without any stress and just enjoy what happened. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I'm glad we're at that point now where we can just enjoy it. Hopefully, we get back at it. Let's I, hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. One, one step at a time, though. First, we got to get baseball in general back, but yeah, obviously, obviously, that's that's big step number one um, to this whole thing. Okay, so I have another question for you um, regarding Game Five. All right, when they took the three-one lead, were you confident they were going to win the game when they took the lead? No, you weren't. No, no, I, I really wasn't. Okay, interesting. Just just based on based on how game one uh, and game three went, no, I I was okay. not, or, or game four. I mean, I was not particularly confident at that time. No, it's I funny. Wish, I wish I could say I had all the faith in the world in them, but no, I did not. Well, that's fair enough. I just think it's funny for me because. I remember once they took the lead, I remember being pretty calm. I just, I felt like, I felt like they had finally control on the Indians in that game. And you know what's really weird? 
I was pacing around nervous in game six when they were up nine to three. And I was nervous when they were up five to one in really? Cleveland. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I was nervous too. I, I wasn't as nervous, but I, I was still nervous. Yeah. I mean, I was pacing around. I couldn't sit still. Well, when they had that very small three to two lead at, at home at Wrigley Field, I just felt I just felt calm. I just I, I I wasn't that nervous. I don't know if it was just the fact that they were at home and they had the home field advantage, or if it was the fact that Lester and Chapman were shutting him down. And remember, Aroldis Chapman had to go two and two thirds innings to close this one down. You had six innings from John Lester a third of an inning from Carl Edwards Jr., and the rest of the way was your closer. I mean, they drained everything out of him. But even when he was getting drained, I just felt like they had that game once they took the lead. That's why I thought it was such a unique game, because I felt confidence in them. That was the most confident I felt in the Cubs once they took that lead from the fifth inning onward than I did in that entire World Series. That's weird to me. I know but, it is weird. But props to you for having faith there. I just, I miss, 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 miss that atmosphere at Wrigley Field during the postseason like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, even though it was a one nothing loss, one of my favorite memories of this World Series was just the first inning of Game 3, the first World Series game at historic Wrigley Field since 1945, 71 years. I don't think the energy was ever bigger at Wrigley Field than that moment. Probably not. I don't know why it would be. Well, I mean, they did win a game in Game 5, but and the energy was great there. You had the Bauer chance and everything there, but that first inning in Game 3... Every strike, people were standing and cheering like it was the strikeout of the game, like the final out of the game. It was incredible. And all like the footage of the people in Wrigleyville walking around the packed streets. I'm glad to say, though, I did not participate in any of those uh, $500 (laughs) cover charge bar fees to sit there from 7 in the morning. That was ridiculous. But I watched happily from my couch. Yeah, you got to You got to take advantage of those opportunities. Make some, make some change. You know, it's funny. I had a dream about last week. Maybe it was two weeks ago or whatever. I had a dream we were back in the World Series. And really? Yeah. And I just, oh, I realized right then and there how much I missed that feeling, that week of being in the World Series. Even if they get back to the World Series again in our lifetime, it won't feel like that one in 2016 that long-awaited world series return but it'll still be great let us hope so fingers crossed fingers crossed all right well i don't really have much else to talk about do you no i wish i did we all do we all do All right, so that's going to just about do it on Climbing the Ivy. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to remind you all that despite what's going on, we still are producing articles at Cubby's Crib. So be sure to check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You can also check out this podcast on iTunes.com. 
Also, be sure to follow their social media pages, Cubby's Crib on Facebook and Cubby's Crib on Twitter. Also, check out Cubby's Crib Instagram. So, until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Keep your chin up. We'll see you next week.